Hey, Valley family, it is so good to be back uh, here in the United States, uh, to be back here in New York, and uh, uh, just welcome everybody joining us on our online campus. So thankful for the technology, the staff that we have that just makes this happen every week, and even in the middle of difficult and challenging times like we're facing right now with this uh, coronavirus, uh, that we can just keep on going, online campus, not skip a beat, and really come into your homes. And, uh, you know, so I don't know, we're probably in like 1,200 different locations uh, this week with our online campus. And I just encourage you to share as well uh, online campus link with your family, with your friends, neighbors, maybe invite your neighbors over to join you uh, as we're amping up how many viewings we have every two hours, every single day of our online campus uh, during this special challenging time. And we're going to be talking more about that in just a minute. Uh, How perfect is this series that we started a couple weeks ago called How to Live Through a Bad Day? And it doesn't get any more practical than this, folks. Uh, A lot of folks are having bad days because of all this, and and yet God's Word gives us real great hope and and real uh, great biblical input and advice uh, as we follow the example of Jesus Christ. And specifically, I want to talk today about taking care of those near you. This is week number three, and uh, we kicked off this series. We're looking at the seven sayings of Jesus on the cross. It's going to take us right through Good Friday. And uh, first he said, you know, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And we talked about week number one, forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. And then last week, Pastor Randy did a fantastic job as you talked about see beyond your own struggles. And now this week, as I said, we want to say, we want to look at Jesus' words and, and understand the third lesson, and that's take care of those near you. So hope you have your Valley app. Go ahead and open that up. You're going to be able to fill in the blanks, follow right along as we look at this incredible, incredibly practical message for right here, right now, today where we are. And the kind of the framework biblically for this whole series is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12. In the message translation, just want to look at it again. It says, keep your eyes on Jesus. He's the one we need to focus on. Boy, don't we right now. Focus on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. That's what we're doing this seven-part series, studying how Jesus did it on the cross. These seven statements that he makes because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. And went on, goes on to say, he could put up with anything along the way. Many of us might, should ask ourselves that question right now. Can we put up with anything along the way? That's what Jesus did. I need to follow his example. The cross, shame, whatever, and now he's there in the place of honor right alongside of God. So, so as I said, this is week number three, really, really practical, uh, not just for every day, but for today, literally, uh, as we're facing the challenges uh, of uh, the coronavirus that, that is a global issue right now and, and a local issue in a community uh, as well. And let's look at this statement that Jesus makes, because again, during the crucifixion, crucifixion actually is death by suffocation. The lungs would fill uh, with liquid, and, and the person who was being crucified would actually die of, uh, of suffocation, not able to breathe. And, and so Jesus is literally, you know, he's gone through the betrayal, he's gone through the mock trial, he's gone through, uh, you know, the beating, uh, 39 lashes, and, and uh, crown of thorns, 
carrying the cross, nails to his feet and hands, and he's literally having to, uh, they would crucify with the, the legs bent, and so in order to get some breath, they'd have to push up in order to, to lift the rib cage to get some air into the lungs. And so this is the third statement that Jesus is actually pushing up on those nails to his feet to get enough air into his lungs. And he makes this statement, and we'll look at it here in John chapter 19, verse 25 through 27. This is just mind-blowing to me. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there, so he pushes up on those cross, and he looks down, and he sees his mother at the foot of the cross. Can you imagine the pain, the heartache of Mary as she's seeing this happen to her son? Uh, she knows the miracle of his birth. Uh, she, she's followed him. She, she knows who he really is, the son of God, and, and her son as well. And, and he looks down, he sees his mother, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby. Now, this is interesting. Who's the disciple that he loved? Well, it's John who's actually writing this gospel. And I love that, that John, in the gospel that he wrote, he always refers to himself, not by John, but the disciple that Jesus loved. I think that's so incredibly significant because John drew his identity not from what he did, but from the fact that Jesus loved him. It wasn't what he did, what he accomplished, anything like that. He's just like... I am who I am because Jesus loved me. I think that's pretty cool. I don't think that's arrogant or anything like that. Uh, but he drew his identity from Jesus, his relationship with Jesus. Boy, I, if more of us did that, this world would be a different place. If we drew our identity from our relationship with Jesus, not even our relationship with someone else, or our job, or our kids, or our accomplishments, or where we live, or what we drive. But if we drew our identity from our relationship with Jesus, and that's what John did. So he said, Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, John, and he said to her, woman, here's your son. I think he probably kind of like, you know, did his head like that. Like, woman, there's your son standing next to you. It goes on and says, and to the disciple, here's your mother. So he's like, woman, mama, there's your son. And to the disciple that Jesus loved, to John, John, that's your mom. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. He, Jesus is concerned about his mother's broken heart in the middle of the most excruciating pain ever imaginable. He's thinking of others. Take care of those near you. That's lesson number three. Take care of those near you. In the middle of his pain, he focuses on his mother and her future. That's what Jesus did. It's... It, in other words, when Jesus was being crucified, he's like, it's not about me. It's about others. When Jesus was going through his bad day, it wasn't about, oh, you know, just, just, just me and my, he looked to others, how to, how to help others. Take care of those near you. Most people, I, I mean, maybe, maybe I just talk about myself. Maybe it's not you, but I don't know, when, when I'm hurt, man, I get real, real selfish. And it's like, I want everybody to know about my pain. 
And I mean, if I was up on that cross, I'd be like, does anybody else see what's going on here? Come on, people, you should feel bad for me. You should be more compassionate for me. Have more compassion. I want everybody to know about the pain I'm going through. I, I, get, I get really, really selfish when I'm hurting. But that's just Greg. It's not Jesus. Jesus takes care of those near you, even in the middle of the pain that he was going through. And so let me put it this way. When you're going through your bad day, be sure you take care of those near you. When you're going through your bad day, lesson number three, take care of those near you. What a great opportunity during this coronavirus that, that, that we're facing Going through a bad day, but make sure you don't, don't forget about your neighbor. Don't forget about your coworker. Not just those in your house. Just remember those around you as well. That we can actually, this is a tremendous opportunity that we have as a church family to demonstrate Christ's likeness. When you're going through your bad day, just like he did, be sure you take care of those that are near you. You know, pain is pain. It doesn't matter what you're going through. No, it doesn't matter how old you are. I mean, if you're 13 years old and you have a bad Snapchat, it's like losing your job at 45. <laughs> if you can believe that for a little 13-year-old. Pain is pain. Real is real. And, and uh, you, you know, you're in college you, or high school, you fail an exam, that's pain. Uh, maybe you've grown up and you get a toxic email and someone on the job just keeps getting under your skin or, or, or people are ignoring you and leaving you out. Your car breaks down. You don't know how you're going to pay for it. Uh, you lose your phone. That's, that is, a for me, that's like one of the most painful things. Like, oh my goodness. If I will lose my phone or my computer, oh, my life is on those things. You know, I, I don't even know what I would do. Maybe you're in a work slump. Maybe you have financial crisis. You know, whatever the pain is, make sure that you reach out to those near you. You, you know, uh, I, I, I'm from Georgia originally, and we moved up here. My family moved up here when I was five years old. But, uh, you, you know, you can take the boy out of Georgia, but you can't take Georgia out of the boy. I love country music, and, you know, maybe you, you, maybe you do. Maybe, maybe you can't tolerate it, but... Uh, very, very early on in my life, at 10 years old or so, one of my favorite country music singers was Willie Nelson. And uh, he, well, he really can't sing, but, you know, the words and all that, is the fact that his voice is so horrible and all just makes it all that more like, oh. And, and, and I remember, uh, I think I was about 12 years old, first time I heard this song, it stuck with me. I was listening to it just the other day because there is no pain, there's no heartache like a country song. And, uh, and, and he sings this one song, the postman delivered a past due bill notice, and the alarm clock rang two hours late. This morning, at breakfast, I spilled all the coffee, and the hinges fell off of the gate. And, and it just goes, goes on and on. In fact, I, I, let me just read it to you. The postman delivered a past due bill notice. The alarm clock rang two hours late. The garbage man left all the trash on the sidewalk and the hinges fell off of the gate. And this morning at breakfast, I spilled all the coffee and I opened the door on my knee. But the last thing I needed, the first thing this morning, was to have you walk out on me. <laughs> There's something about pain, you know, like we just want to broadcast it. 
Nobody's ever gone through this. No one's ever had it as bad as I've had it. And so many times we want to pass off the pain. We want to transfer the trial. We want to shift the struggle. And so you know what we do most of the times when we're in pain? We take it out on those closest to us. But when, when, when something's wrong with me, those nearest to me, they're going to know about it. But that's not the way Jesus lived. Jesus is going through the pain and instead, he takes care of those near him. He's looking after his mother. Not just the pain she's in, but he focuses on her future as well. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mom. Incredible example for us to follow today, right now, here in 2020. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible says, According to his divine power, he has uh, given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. In, in other words, you say, I can't do that. Yeah, you can. I, I, I can't follow Jesus' example. Yes, you can, because here's the thing. He's given us everything that we need in this life to live godly, to follow God's example, Jesus' example. We can do this, even in the midst of, of a lot of fear and, and, a, and a lot of anxiety, in the middle of the, the chaos that we see happening all around us right now, we can live godly through the knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue. What is virtue? It, it's, it's, again, the, the upright character of Jesus, that, that you and I don't have to focus on our pain, we can actually help take care of others that are near uh, that are near us and their needs as well that applies that the what it says here pertains to that word pertain is pretty interesting he's given us all things that pertain that word pertain literally means that applies to or touches everything we touch in life he's given us the ability to handle it in godly ways even the coronavirus we can handle it in a godly way. And, and what is godliness? Well, ultimately, it means living life for God and from God. And I believe with everything in me, that's what God is calling us to as a church family. That's what God's calling me to right now. That's what God's calling you to as well. That, that, that everything that we touch, we would live for God and from God, the power of God. And so we can make a difference even right now in the middle of this difficulty. And, and we can look out beyond perhaps even our hearts that may have some fear. And we can help those that are near us. We can help those that are near us. And so real quickly, I want to give you four decisions to make when you're going through a bad day. And, and again, these are decisions. These are choices. We can choose these things. Four decisions to make when you're going through a bad day. Here's the first one. We need to identify the real problem. What's the real problem? I mean, life is hard. This is not a, the, the, life is difficult on this planet. There's, there's no bed of roses. This isn't, you know, tiptoe through the tulips. This is far from paradise. How do we identify the real problem? What's the real problem? Well, look at what, the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, we talked about this. 
in our SWAT series that we did last year, Spiritual Warfare and Tactics. But look, there's always, there's always something more behind the issue. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Listen, coronavirus, you, you, that's not God's will. He didn't unleash that. This is the problem of evil in the world. And, and, and there is, we made it clear in that series as we looked at it, and I encourage you, it's on your app, on our website. You can go back through those messages, SWAT, spiritual warfare, and tactics. There's an enemy, that, and his, his role, Satan, his purpose for your life is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his will. The Bible makes that perfectly clear. And so we need to identify the real problem. Listen, the, the, the problem is not the people that took the toilet paper in front of you. The, the problem is not there's no more hand sanitizer. That's not the problem. There, there is real evil in this world. And it's not a person. There's a presence behind the evil in this world. So we need to identify the real problem. Listen, the real problem uh, is not your, your spouse. The real problem is not your mother-in-law. And, and you can always tell when we get off track, when we're arguing or, you know, passionately disagreeing instead of arguing. Nobody, we don't argue. We just passionately disagree, Susie and I. Uh, you can always tell when you get off track, when you lose sight of what the real problem is, uh, because you use statements like this, well, you never, you always, really? Like, like one time, only even one time did I do it right? These big blanket statements, you never dot, 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 fill in the blank. You always dot, dot, dot. You can tell you've lost, that person's lost perspective. Every time that I say that, you know, to, to Susie or to, my, to one, of my, one of my kids, one of my daughters, you never, you always, I, that means I've lost my grip on reality. I've lost perspective. And so it's so important that we identify the real problem. Here, here's the second, I'm sorry, the second decision. That's three. That would be third. We're going to go to the second Here's the second decision that we need to make. We need to avoid a pity party. Now, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about Greg here, okay? We need to avoid having a pity party because ain't no party like a pity party because a pity party just don't stop. Pity party. I am great at throwing parties, especially, well, the only ones I'm really good at is pity parties. We need to avoid that. Don't accept the invitation to someone else's pity party. Just, just don't expect that. Don't, you know, RSVP can't make it on Eventbrite to the pity party. Even in our most painful moments, God doesn't want us to overindulge in self-pity. That is a possibility, and I think many times we cross that line. I know I've crossed it way too many times, that we cross the line of overindulging in self-pity. Don't want to do that even in the midst of pain. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it tells us what to do with, with pain and worry and anxiety. Boy, what a practical message is this. What a practical verse this is. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised, hadn't heard it yet, but I wouldn't be surprised that at some point some folks are going to start saying, where is God, doesn't he care in the midst of the coronavirus? Absolutely he does. 
He cares so much, he wants you and I to cast our anxiety, cast our cares on him because he cares for us. And we're going to make it through. And we're going to be looking back, you know, months ahead, months from now, we're going to be looking back like, you know what? We made it through. Everybody, we're okay. We're going to make it. And so it's so important to cast our anxiety. Avoid the pity party. If I could put it this way, I'd say, don't coddle your cares, cast them. Don't coddle your cares. Don't, don't, don't treat your, oh, this is, everyone should feel so sorry for me. This is my little pity party right here, and you need to love how you know, pitiful it is what I'm going through. Don't coddle your cares. Cast them. Just like if you're fishing, put that on the end of the line and get rid of it. Cast your cares on Jesus. Don't coddle them. Don't nurture them. Don't feed them. Don't, don't, don't love your cares. Cast them. Cast your cares upon Jesus because he cares for you. You know, it's interesting. Jesus told the parable of the sower. He talked about a farmer that, in one of the Gospels that he went out and he through seed all around. He talks about the seed falling on different types of soil. The problem was not the, so, the seed. The issue was in the soil. And one of the uh, uh, conditions of the soil, uh, he actually says, is that the cares of the world, like weeds come up and they choke out the seed. What is the seed? The Word of God. They choke out the Word of God. Why? It says the, care, the cares and concerns of this world choke out God's Word. The cares and concerns of this world choke out God's word. That's why we need to cast our cares on him and know he cares for you. He cares for me. And there's a lot of people in our community right now that, that, that maybe it's been a long time, but they're, they're searching and they're like, does God really care? And as I said, I believe Valley Family, this is our finest moment where we can step in and God does care. And you know what? I care too. And we can help someone out who, who's the cares of the world, the, the worries and anxieties right now, they just feel completely overwhelmed. And so we need to, first of all, identify the real problem. Secondly, avoid the pity party. Thirdly, live a connected life. Boy, if this is not taught us, it's so important to live a connected life. And by that I mean committed, uh, a connected life to Jesus and a connected life to the family of God. It's so incredibly important. Think about it for a minute. Jesus is on the cross and he looks down and he sees his mother. He looks down and sees John. He says, woman, behold your son. And he says, behold your mother. Families are forged at the foot of the cross. Let me say that again. Families are forged at the foot of the cross. There is something about when we gather together that, that family, we become like family. That's why I, I don't say that just uh, flippantly. It's not a turn of a phrase. We're the valley family. We're the valley family. Families are forged at the foot of the cross. And just like a family was forged between Mary and John at the foot of the cross of Jesus, as he's caring for those nearest to him. That's the way it's supposed to be in the family of God as well. So important to live a connected life. 
Why, why is it so important to be connected in a local church? Why is it so important not to just, just try to maintain your faith or grow in your faith apart from a local church? But look at Hebrews 2, verse 1 tells us, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. It's so easy. If we're not connected, it's so easy to drift away from faith, from faith in God. We, we may still wear a cross. We may still have a magnet on the back of our car. But we're actually, if we're not connected on an ongoing basis, committed to local church, being involved uh, here at the Valley Family, we're drifting. We're drifting away. That there's, there's no greater bond for a family than to be planted in God's house. And, and can I put it this way? Planted in God's house, and that means not just planted in God's house when it's the off season. That's not planted in God's house. Not, 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 I'm planted in God's house if there's nothing else going on. I'm not involved in something else. That's not planted. It's so easy to drift. We've got to be really, really careful. So let me ask you this question. Is church life, is, is, is life with the Valley family, is it optional in your family or is it an integral part of your family? Is it just optional? Or, or is it just when difficult times come, oh my goodness, i got to get to church? Is it optional or is it integral? So important, so important that we're connected in the life of the church. Because here's the thing about your relationship with Jesus Christ and faith in Christ. You're either growing closer to Christ or you're drifting away from Christ. There is no in-between. There's no holding your position. You're either growing closer to Jesus Christ right now, or you're drifting away based on your level of commitment to Christ and your involvement with his family. And so I ask you, are you drifting? Or are you drawing closer? And I know I've talked with people, you know, before, and, and I'm I'm like, I think you're drifting. I think you're really drifting. I'm like, well, I don't feel like I'm drifting. Exactly. <laughs> That's what drifting is. You don't feel it. You know, we've all been at the beach before, right? You, you, uh, I remember as a kid, I'd go to the beach, and my mom would say, okay, look and see our towel. We had this, you know, family towel. And she's like, see where the towel is, and don't drift. And we'd go out, and we'd playing in the water, and sometimes you just stand there, and you'd feel the, the sand underneath your feet, you know, just kind of drifting away. And then you look, and you, I thought I was right in front of mom, but mom's way down the beach. What happened? I was just drifting. I didn't even know it until I put my focus back on where it's supposed to be and I realized I am not where I'm supposed to be. It's the same way when it comes to faith in Jesus. We, 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 we've got to pay attention, most careful attention. We've got to keep our focus on Jesus, not on all the things of this world. To what we've heard and live in that so that we do not drift away because here's the thing and i hope i hope you're experiencing this right now this is what it's all about when, when we really are committed and we live a connected life a connected life to god and to god's family there's comfort in community there, there's comfort in community and that's why i'm just so thrilled that you know i think this is the finest hour for our church we're ready for this 
We're, we're, I can't speak for other churches. I don't know other churches the way I know Valley, but we're ready for this. That's why we, we always say we're, we're not a church of small groups. We're a church with small. Uh, we're not a church with small groups. We're a church of small groups. So we have over 400 adults that are involved in small groups, and we're caring for them right now. Even though we have just online services on Sunday, people are cared for in community in our small groups. So incredibly important. And that's why when it becomes an optional thing, people are opting out of being cared for. It's so incredibly important. And so there's comfort in community. There's comfort when, when, when people in your, your, your group leader is calling you, hey, listen, I'm just checking. How are you doing in the midst of this coronavirus? Anything I can do for you? How can I pray with you? That, that level of love and connectedness, it's in the family of God. And, and it's not just, you know, when, when it's the off-season. It's supposed to be all the time. That it's priority. It's a priority. Look at Acts chapter 10, verse 2. It talks about Cornelius here. And, and, and before he even heard the good news of Jesus Christ. But look at what it says. He and all his family were devout. Are you and all your family devout? Or is, this, or, or is Jesus it just a, a, you know, church is just kind of a, when I have nothing else to do. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and he prayed to God regularly. And this is a man who didn't even know Christ, didn't even know the gospel at the time. And it's incredible about what it says. He and his whole family were devout. Not, not just mom and dad, but the kids too. Maybe even grandma and grandpa. Devout. And, and as a result of that, they were generous. You know, we've talked about it before. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Love always gives. Love is a verb. And he was generous to those that were in need, and he prayed to God regularly, even his limited understanding of who God was. You know, uh, I, I'll just say this for, for Susie and I. We decided a long time ago not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a follower of Jesus. Not because Susie's a pastor here as well, uh, because she loves Jesus. We were going to forge our family at the foot of the cross. And, and where did you get an idea like that from? Well, my mom and dad, Susie's mom and dad, that's the way we were raised. We're going to forge our family at the foot of the cross. Jesus is going to be the center of the Williamson family. And I've never regretted that for a moment I didn't regret it when I was a kid. I didn't all understand it all, but, but as I got older, I realized, thank God mom and dad made church a priority for me and not all these other things and just when I'm not busy doing something else on a Sunday, then I'll go to church. Thank God for it. I wouldn't be who I am today. Susie wouldn't be who she is today. Our family wouldn't be who it is. This church wouldn't be who it is today if it weren't for that commitment to be forged around the foot of the cross. I, you know, there's so much about this. The Bible just, there's so much, especially we, a lot of people, like right now in the middle of, of this coronavirus, you, you hear people like pray this prayer, quote Psalm 91. Every promise of God is conditional. There is no freebies. Salvation is free. Fulfilling God's promises, Him fulfilling promises in life, those are all conditionals. Every single one. 
And Psalm 91 is like, you know, there's this great promise in there, you know, uh, plague will not come to your house and all that. And I hear people like, yeah, I quote that. But they forget that it's conditional. It says at the beginning of Psalm 91, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. In other words, they're committed to the house of God. And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my stronghold, my God in whom I trust. And then it goes on to all the protections that God will give, the promise of protection to those who abide in the house of God, who are committed to God's family. It's not a freebie. Every promise has a premise. Every promise is conditional. Really, really important. Look at this, and it's not the only place. I mean, this is all throughout the Bible, but look at this great promise. Psalm 92, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. Man, I want that. You want that for your family? I want that. Flourish like a palm tree. Woo, yes, Jesus, I want that. They will grow like cedars in Lebanon. Yeah, man, I want, man, that, what a great explanation for my daughters and, 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 and you know, future family and, and all that. Growing like cedars in Lebanon, strong. How's it going to happen? Every promise has a premise. Every promise is conditional. They're, pl- oh, ouch. They're, oh, it's not for everybody. God doesn't promise that. That's for those that are planted in the house of the Lord. It's not everybody who just claims it. It's the people that make God's home, God's house a priority. Planted in the house of the Lord. I didn't say that. God said it. Don't get angry with me. God said it. I'm trying to help you. Trying to coach you up on proper priorities in life. They will flourish in where? Where are they going to flourish? In the courts of God. They'll flourish in the courts of God. They will still bear fruit in old age. What a great promise right there. When, when we are planted in the house of God, when we will flourish in the court of God, still be fruitful, still making a difference, even in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. Every promise has a premise. So important to live connected. There's so many promises that God makes for people who are connected to his life in the local church. So many. I, I think about, you know, I, I know the pushback is, like, well, that's easy for you to say you're a pastor. Let me tell you about some folks that aren't, that, that, that are part of our Valley family. Just this past week, I, I officiated the funeral of Anthony Mascherola. Dear beloved, wonderful man in our church, member of our church for almost 10 years. You know, the thing about Anthony is this, uh, there's three generations of Mascherolas in this church. They're not pastors, but they serve, they're involved, they're committed, and, and, and you see the fruit in their life. We're not saying anybody's perfect, I'm not perfect, but, but man, I, I just remember seeing Anthony on Sunday serving. And, and you know what? His granddaughter, his granddaughter, Sophia now, she serves in a children's ministry. She's nine years old. You know what? About, let me say something about the Mascherola family. They're planted in the house of, the, of God. They're planted. They're not pastors. They're just like you. Just like any of us. Prioritizing the house of God. 
and it makes a difference. It makes a difference not only one generation, two generations, but three generations planted in the house of God. They'll flourish in the courts of God, even, even in old age, being fruitful. I think about, I think about Danielle Barca. You know, uh, a lot of a lot of people just just were so proud, and I was so proud of Danielle making taking a stand when, when she was told in high school, you know, that she couldn't have a, a Christian club uh, called OMG, uh, and and, uh, and 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 she like no, this is not right, and she appealed and and ended up hiring a lawyer, and this was on the national news, and they yes, we've realized it's illegal for us to prohibit it from that. They're like, yeah, Danielle, Danielle. And let me tell you something about Danielle Barca and her family, for Bill and Yesenia, and, and, and they're planted in the house of God. That, that's how you find teenagers that are willing to take a stand, but because they're planted in the house of God. It doesn't happen by accident. And you don't find that kind of courage from someone who, who's here once a month. They're planted in the house of God. They serve. Not just when it's convenient. They're flourishing in the courts of God because they're committed. Not only that, I, I mean, there's just so many families I can use as an example. Uh, the Kelly family. Chris and Angela Kelly and their kids. You know, if you attend regularly here in Hopewell, you've seen Matthew Kelly, a young teenager boy. He's on the worship team. And, and you know why he's on the worship team? I personally asked him if he would join the worship team, doing percussion for us. You know why? His family's planted in the house of God. It's a priority. And, and you know what? You can see it in the character of their kids. And, and he, you know, listen, Matthew... I heard, he, he told my daughter, Michaela, he said, I go to bed early on Saturday night because I want to get enough rest for Sunday morning when I'm playing. Planted in the house of God, teenage boy. Makes all the difference in the world. He's not perfect, but he's incredible. And I'm so proud of him. Listen, that, that, there's some folks I would never ask to be on our worship team because they're not planted in the house of God. It's just going to cause a problem. We've got to be planted in the house of God, in the courts of God. That's when we flourish. That's when we bear fruit in old age. That's when we stay fresh and green. Planted in the house of God, living a committed life. There's just three examples right there. Masharolas, Barkas, Kelly's. I could go on and on and on. That's why Valley is who it is today. That's how we're the church family that we are today. Because it's not just one generation, two, three generations planted in the house of God. It makes all the difference in the world. We have to make that decision, though. Mom, Dad, you got to make that decision. Everything you say yes to, you're saying no to something else. Everything you say no to gives you the ability to say yes to what God wants. It's so very important. God honors it. So we've got to make the decision, identify the real problem, avoid the pity party, live a connected life, planted in the house of God. He's the source, abiding in Him. And then fourthly, I don't know how else to put this, it's kind of cute to see, but I think it's so important. We've got to look to the sun, S-O-N. <laughs> look to the sun. Our focus has to be 
on Jesus. And when our focus is on Jesus, you know what? We're not going to get distracted by all this other stuff, all these temporary things, all, all these things that are clamoring for our attention. When our focus is on Jesus, where it's, where it's supposed to be. That's how Jesus went through the cross, for the joy set before him. We talked about that. Keep our focus where it's supposed to be. Focus, look to the sun. And, and I just want to circle back around to Hebrews chapter 12 uh, in, in translation. It's not Greg Williamson translation. It's God's word is another translation. But look at what it says. We must focus on Jesus, the source and goal of our faith. We've got to keep our focus on him. That's how we take care of those near us. Because when we keep our focus on him, you know what it says like, Greg, come on now. Uh, You're drifting. Greg, you need to focus. Greg, this is what I want you to do. This is who I want you to reach out to. We're aware of those around us that are going through greater difficulties than we even are. And just like Jesus, we can take care of those near us. I'm so thankful that the Lord, months and months ago, as I'm working with the teaching team here on staff, you know, that we looked at it like, you know what, leading up to Easter, let's do this series, How to Live Through a Bad Day. God knew before we ever even heard the word coronavirus. God knew just what you were going to need, just what I was going to need. So I'm going to ask right now, would you bow your heads with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for how practical your word is and how your Holy Spirit just leads so timely. And, And Father, I just pray right now that you would speak to our hearts and help us, Lord, recognize for some of us we're we're drifting. And Lord, I pray this is a wake-up call. For some of us, we need to double down and and just really make sure our priorities are where they're supposed to be. Because tough times, they come, just like we're in right now. And, and, And we need to be connected to your family in a deep way, planted in the house of God, flourishing in your courts. So God, help us to remember to make the decision to really identify the real problem to, to avoid the pity parties, Lord, Lord to, to live a connected life, and Lord, to keep our focus upon you, our focus on Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith, and that we can follow in his footsteps, Lord, and live the full life that you created each and every one of us to live as we follow Jesus Christ, and we focus on him and And he'll point out how we can care for those around us, those near to us, even in the midst of difficulty, as as many around us are facing today. Lord, thank you for your peace that comes and the calm in our hearts when we know Jesus is at the center. And we trust you. And we prioritize our life around your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And right now in this moment, still in prayer, I, I just want to ask you, maybe you're joining us on our online campus for the first time, and you've never taken that first step of faith of receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. 
The Bible says that if we declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Where where, where does peace come from in troubled times? It it comes from Jesus. That's that's where we find it. That's why I just want to encourage you right now, invite Jesus Christ into your heart by declaring, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. In fact, what I'd like to do is just lead you in a prayer right now and you can repeat this prayer after me. Open your heart to Jesus. And even on our online campus, you can just click that connect card button. And just let us know that you, you receive Christ today. You put your faith in Jesus Christ. I believe you're going to begin to experience newfound faith, newfound peace, because you're following in Jesus Christ's footsteps. Just repeat this prayer after me right now. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. I turn from my sins today and I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. Jesus be my Lord. Thank you for living for me, Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising from the dead for me so that I could be forgiven. And I ask you to lead me today. Guide me. Direct my life by your Holy Spirit from this day forward and I will follow you. Amen. Amen.